This podcast is proudly sponsored by O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves you back. Hello and welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host, Shane Lee. Today on the show, Luke Rickardson, a former professional rugby league player playing 301 matches for the Sydney Roosters. He also played 12 matches for New South Wales and six tests for Australia. He played in three grand finals, winning in 2002. Post-career, he's been in the media, he's in the insurance game, and he's a fashion ambassador. And Richard Harry, a former professional rugby union player, playing 74 matches for the Waratahs and 37 tests for Australia. He was a member of the 1999 Rugby World Cup, the 1998 Bledisloe win, and the Tri-Nations Triumph in 2000. He's a representative of the Australian Rugby Union Players Association and a senior executive at Goodman in Sydney. Let's get started. On the show today, Luke Rickardson, a former professional rugby league player and post-career, he's been involved in the media and a fashion ambassador. Welcome, Luke. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> You've just tossed that up, haven't you? Thank you. And Richard Harry, a former professional rugby union player. He's ambassador to Black Dog Foundation and works for Goodman in Sydney. Welcome, Richard. Thank you, mate. Thanks for How are you, boys? Yeah, Very good, well. Mate. Yeah, really good. So all things footy today, we're going to talk some really stuff. We're coming to the finals. The Roosters, yep. unfortunately, are not there Luke? I know, yeah. Um, tips, and, tips off the bat. And sitting next to a bloke that's probably yes. a Raiders fan, I'm assuming, being yeah. in Canberra and we are living down that. Yes, Proximity, so, exactly. So thank you for that. Yeah, look, it's been interesting. Obviously, I got off playing football back in 2005 and then um, lucky enough to be on the board of the Roosters since 2010 and been part of this great journey. They made a grand final in 2010, 1-13, Won 18, 19, yeah. and uh, obviously no good this year, but had a, a very indifferent year. Started off pretty well, but uh, I think uh, the COVID bubble took its toll on the boys, and the last month wasn't great. But yeah, off to a new uh, winner this year. It's good to watch. Greatest. And, and the Wallabies, <laughs> mate, the Wallabies on the weekend, that was, that was yeah. fantastic to watch. What are your thoughts on how they went? Mate, look, really, really good. Obviously, mate, we're long suffering fans. So to see that sort of performance and that application was fantastic. I think, obviously, the big test is this week. So, is can we do it two weeks in a row? And I think, look, gut feel we can't. I think there's a lot changed in the side. You know, obviously, players, coaches, administration, everything's a lot different. Because last year, obviously, we. we belted them in Perth and then got belted the following week at Eden Park as well. So treading that same road at the moment. But, I, you know, I do think it's, it's going to be a very interesting and important weekend this weekend. Big time, yeah. It was just good to see him stand up against the All Blacks. It's, mm. um, I've heard you speak in the past about playing against the All Blacks and the sort of aura that they bring to the game. But it, it felt like they had, there were some chicks in their, their armour there and I felt like these young guys feel like they can actually they believe they can win. Yeah, and belief goes a long way. Yeah. And I said these guys are just... They haven't lost to the All Blacks. Like it's the, the aura is not there for them, and I think that is important. Mm. It shouldn't be in professional sport. Like you just do your best, but look, yep. we all know it's and there's a lot happens between the ears. So I think the fact is they put themselves in a really good position. I think this weekend, I think there's a lot of questions being asked of the New Zealand side of the New Zealand coaching. You know, as I said, I think the majority of New Zealanders we got some Kiwis part of our business, and they said quietly during the week, "You probably should have won." Yeah. But in some <laughs> ways, it probably it was good that we didn't because mm. I think at the end of the day, we want to make sure that we keep that intensity up and. I think we could have won, maybe could have lost. But again, I think a draw was probably at the end of the day, maybe the right result. But I think, as I said, that the side is, is poised now. And it's really interesting to see what door we go through this week. Is it a structural change and we are yeah. on a new new path or are we just dropping back to where we were? And I think, you know, overwhelmingly, I do believe that we have gone through a bit of a structure change. And I was, and I was watching on the thing. weekend. Yeah. And I'm with that aura thing. I mean, yeah. I've watched these test matches over mm. the years and, 
you get a sense in the first five or ten minutes that this is going to be a tough road for the Wallabies. But I just didn't feel at any stage yeah. there was that real mm. aura, you know. The aura had sort of died from it, although you'd hate to poke the bear and see yeah, what they right. come back with. But <laughs> mm. I don't know. I, I, I liked what I saw on the weekend. I'm, yeah, that no, was and, good. And leading up to it, they weren't really talking a lot about the All Blacks in the media, which was really good to see. Like, normally you just hear them talking about saying oh. how bloody good they are. I'm thinking, you're going to play against these guys. You're going to run mm. the field. It was, it was good to see there's some confidence there. No, 100%. I think then that for, I think would be the basis of the week of this week's game plan will be that. Just you know, talk about yourselves. Focus on what you've got to do. At the end yeah. of the day, you've got a path. This is part of a path getting back to, you know, basically hopefully winning a World Cup in a few years' time. Hey, look, I'm going to ask you about the semifinals coming up with the Rugby League. Um, you played under Ricky Stewart in 2002 when you won. Yep. How do you reckon he's going to go going into this semifinals? He's an interesting character, He's Ricky. an angry man. He's an angry man, isn't he's he? He's an angry man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, we had Ricky in 2002. He was a very new coach, a very emotional <laughs> bloke. He sort of coaches with his heart more than anything. So it was successful for us for a period of time. And what I hear is mellowed out over the years. But watching him, he's... <laughs> I, look, I, I kind of like a guy like that. I like, I've got a lot of time for Ricky. Ricky's uh, he's one of the boys. He emotionally rides every game, every mm. moment, and... Look, he's, he's with them. You know, he, you know he's with you 110%. He goes to those press conferences and he bashes up on everyone else because he's part of the team. And I think he's got these Raiders guys at the right spot. He's got those English guys that love that type of coaching, which mm. is physical and aggression. And they all respond to him. And um, this is a good good chance he can he can get him to grand final. He reminds me a bit of Eddie Jones in a lot of ways. Watching Eddie Jones when he's watching the matches, he's, mm. he's like it feels like he wants to win more than the team itself. And I yeah, think that puts a lot of pressure on the players too. Yeah, I had a lot of people ask me about Ricky, and I everyone likes to knock him for yeah. the way he is, but I just think he's just the ultimate competitor. Yeah, like he's just so competitive that it comes out in every everything. And you know, he gets asked a lot of questions that are post a conference he's just going to tell you the answer because he's just competitive and he does dislike the opposition and he just wears his heart in his sleeve so mm. he's got a bunch of young kids that perform for him and I think he's going to go very close this year yeah well, he's a good player you played in an unbelievable era in the <laughs> 90s I saw, I saw your record for Australia it was something like 74% winning rate for Australia which is unbelievable who were the big characters in your time in the Wallabies oh look <sighs> We were lucky. We had exceptional cattle, but we had a really amazing environment. That's one thing you've got to talk about. I mean, it's, it's um, good teams. It's a cake mix. You know, you get one yeah. or two ingredients wrong, it doesn't work, and the others can be outstanding. And we benefited, I think, really from that. I think Rod McQueen knew what he was good at, what he was bad at. He provided an, an outstanding environment for the likes of George Gregan, John yeah. Eels, Tim Horan, Jason Little, you know, Bernie Larkham. I'm, it's extraordinary cattle across the park. And I think that, and we fundamentally just gelled as a team off the back of that. And then again, you did learn, I think winning is a bit of a skill, so you've got to learn how to do it and learn, okay, but I mean, we've got a Bledisloe Cup lunch tomorrow and it's focusing on that 2000 game when we mm-hmm. were 20 points down after about what seemed like two minutes, but it was about 15 <laughs> minutes. And, but the team, you know, we clawed our way back from there. So it, it, was, it ended up the culture getting us that last 1%. But again, I mean, there were some huge personalities. I mean, again, you look across the park. I mean, I mean, Clive Lloyd said once when he was captain of the West mm. Indies, that mate, we either got a donkey good captain this side yeah. because of the quality of, of the few, team. A few of them were donkeys. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Is that a different, is that a different podcast? It's, it's in the shed. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, listen, I've got a. Um, I always like to put. On, my head then, I always sorry. like to put on a, um, a. Speaking of donkeys, I always like to put on a, um, a junior reporter for every every show. And um, my African reporter this week is Georgie Gregan. 
and he had two questions for you. I don't know where these questions are going, but he said, why do they call you two chairs? He's a cheeky little guy. <laughs> so he's not here. Uh, the story was because my ass was so big I needed two chairs oh, really? to sit on. Really? Mate, very uncharitable. That's bullying. That's no, not workplace not fair, bullying, is it? Mate. That's terrible. He's coming for lunch later, so well, well, you have a word to him there, but you won't say, say it to your face. Rick, who, who were the big characters that you played with? Like Morley was there at one stage. He was, he was nuts, wasn't he? He was nuts. Yeah. Um, obviously, the likes of Brian Fletcher and these guys yep. went on to other careers, but Moz was an interesting character. Funny story about Adrian Morley. So Mo- Moz... Grew up in a place called Salford, which was outside of Manchester, yeah. which was a pretty rough old area. And at the age of 22, took the opportunity to come to the Roosters and the loveliest bloke you'd ever meet in your life. Mm. Just a gentle giant. And I got called in about two weeks from him being at the club and said he had an incident on Coogee Bay Road. And I said, it's impossible. This is the nicest bloke you'll ever meet in your life. We played a trial game in February against the Broncos we're up in Townsville or something like that and in the sheds Moz was as calm as they come and sitting down you know and come on lad you know we're going to you know, go off and play Gordon Tallis had the first uh, hit up Moz came eight in and just <laughs> knocked him off his feet and I went I reckon he's done something at Coogee Bay Road so we went back to that story Coogee Bay Road so basically he went and picked his car up from City Ford off the plane travelled all the way over from uh, Manchester gets in his car comes down Coogee Bay Road Basically doesn't know whether to turn left or right. He's a bit sort of confused at what to do. A truck behind honking him. Moz decided to get out, grab the truck driver, headbutt him. Oh, wow. Guy gets out with a crowbar, chases him down the road. Moz tries to knuckle on the road. Literally, he was in town for 35 (laughs) minutes. And that was Moz. Moz. Moz was just like, you know, all these quiet little things would come out about Moz as the years went on, but he was just the most physical, intimidating bloke uh, you'd ever meet. We're going to take a quick break now and order some food here at Alfredo's. I think we'll keep it pretty basic today, boys. We'll put some pasta, maybe a little arabiata. Get some garlic bread with that. Maybe some of those garlic prawns as well. Let's go with that. Thanks, boys. It's no secret I love a gin. And one of our sponsors here, Lunch With Lee, is the Gin Society, which I happen to be a member of. When you sign up, they'll send you a full-size bottle of amazing craft gin, delivered to your door every two months, plus the latest issue of their beautiful Gin Journal magazine and a surprise gift absolutely free. Each gin is sourced by a team of experts looking for exclusive, unique and exquisite drops from around the world. A subscription to the Gin Society is your passport to the world of craft gin. No strings attached. Cancel any time. Check out the website, www.ginsociety.com. All listeners of Lunch With Lee can enjoy an exclusive $20 off their order when they join the Gin Society. Simply visit www.ginsociety.com and just use the code LUNCHWITHLEE20 at checkout. Spartan Sports is recognised as one of the world's most exciting and innovative sporting brands with a community focus. Our product range across cricket, rugby, football, volleyball, basketball and fitness has been developed to sell directly to any club, school, corporate or individual. Go to our website and order directly to your front door, www.spartansports.com. Spartan Sports, unearth the warrior in you. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. 
He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies, and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. It's funny, I look at, um, it's a really interesting dynamic, I reckon, with rugby union, there's, there's a real sort of look after the boys, it's a real boys club, right? Look, look after guys. The, the Roosters have that in rugby league, I think. Like, the Roosters really look after their past players. Um, yeah, look at... It's really, at, really important. There's a really good alumni involved with... Yeah, there is. And we don't do it as good as the rugby boys. Yeah. I think it's... Um, yeah, it's a strange one with league. I think we all go off to different areas and we sort of stay in touch if, you've got, if you're close enough to a few of the guys or have success. Um, I think the big difference is, I think if you're part of a Wallaby squad, you do a lot of travel and spend mm. a lot of time with each other. True. We do amazing trips like Campbelltown, um, Wollongong, <laughs> Penrith. So there's not, not a... Argentina th- and... Not <laughs> Argentina. Yeah. So play probably, rugby union, see the world, play rugby league, see Wigan. Yeah. <laughs> It's not, as, it's not as sexy, right? It's not as, not as appealing. So, um, no, but we, we do. We, we, we try and get better at that. I know that the, um, every Saturday before the grand final, the kangaroos all get together at the SCG and it's an 11 a.m. kickoff. It's just crown lagers and a lot of old blokes telling stories. So uh, we get along to that every now and then, but it's a bit old. <laughs> so what, what I try to do on every show is ask um, everyone the same question. So I'll ask you both this question. What, what advice would you give, I'll ask you first, Richard, to, to a young, up-and-coming, talented boy or girl um, who wants to play rugby? I think, look, and this sounds really trade, but apply yourself. Work out what you want to do. Yeah. And I think it's about, as I said, just really, I think, having a dig and having a go. And I think the, the important thing, can I actually flip that a little bit? Yep. I think it's important that, say, for rugby, for example, have that clear line of sight from if I'm running around for the Linfield Dragons or something, I have a clear line of sight to becoming a wallaby because that's going to help that that whole pathway as well. So I think the person wants to want to do it, wants to have a crack at it. And I'm a really big one on application. You can have the best plan, you know, the best cattle, strength and conditioning, blah, blah, blah. But if you're not applying yourself 100%, it, it just doesn't work. And I think at the end of the day, if you're going to have a dig at something, have a dig at something. Mm. And Luke, what advice would you give to a young Rugby league, football? take the cash. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Silawali and these kids at the moment. Um, so, look, it's, it's very difficult, I think, to break into any uh, professional sport. And look, for me, I think you've got to get your, your morals right. And I think if you're a better person... I think you get the opportunities and things will come your way. If you're an absolute rat bag yeah. and you do all the wrong things, there's a big chance you won't make it. So um, I think good advice, have some really good mentors maybe, and I think that's a good platform to try and break into whatever you want to do. It's funny, like, talking about mentors, I do my research on both of you guys. Your dads are both big influences in, in, in your career. and so a real strong sort of male you know, dominance in, in, in the family that, that your dad was really important to you growing up? Oh, most, and, and still is. Yeah. And uh, my dad's going through a bit of life change at the moment with early onset dementia, which right. is very challenging for our family. You've got this bloke who was a big alpha male and was, you know, I've got a, a sister either side and they always get the shits because dad would come and watch me play footy and watch, wouldn't watch go and play hockey. And particularly yeah. my elder sister's very vocal on that. But seeing dad go through that transition, that this bloke who was just at the front leading his family the whole way, and yeah. he's, you know, he's trying to sort out what's going on in his head. So it's, it's a really interesting period of time of that. And then watching my mum have to deal with that and says she just followed him around. So, and, and does, again, see your role model, your dad 
going through this change of life. It's a, it's a really challenging yeah. time. But again, that that's life, you know. Yeah. Mate, I'm sure I'll be going way earlier than him. So I've already said to my kids, <laughs> don't take the piss, just be nice. You're pre-planning Just, just saying yes, you know, yeah, 50 yeah. first dates, mate. And your dad was a rooster, wasn't he? He was, yeah. yeah. Well, unfortunately, he passed at Christmas. Yeah, no. yeah. Sorry, so yeah, that, uh, that was unfortunate. But, um, yeah, he played in the roosters in the 60s and – you know, I grew up with a lot of the stories about the um, mm. the Jack Gibsons and all the way that league was back in the day. And um, look, I think, look, it's I think having a, a father that's very interested in your sport. You know, Dad drove me to all of yeah. the games and was there and supportive and very honest about my performances a lot of a lot of time. And I think that sort of drives you a little bit as well. I think that you know that bit of competitive you want to prove him wrong or right. And then you know, I think that that's a big big part of it. I heard a funny story the other day about. I've got two daughters, by the way, so I don't know how this is all going to go. But it's all karma, mate. Yeah. So, 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 so yeah. So Brad Fittler's got a really young boy, Zach. Zach's fourteen, and he's in the junior roosters program at Scots College and doing really well. And he said to one of the guys the other day, he said, "Look, I didn't like when Dad came to the footy the other week." And they said, "Why is that?" And he said, "Well, I came off with a cork. He's thirteen. Yeah. And Dad said, Zach over here." He said, mate, rule number one, you do, do not come off the field unless it's on a stretcher. Wow. Zach's 13. So um, he <laughs> didn't get a little laugh. But I reckon my dad was exactly yeah. the same and I think we sort of probably grew up in a bit of a tougher yeah. environment where, yeah. you know, and, that, and I think that steals you. I think it steals you as you get older. I think I'd, I'd you know, you push through injuries and that because of the, you, you, you bred that way. I think it's yeah. just what's in your DNA. Well, it builds a bit of resilience. I have the same thing yeah. in a schoolboy game and I was lying in the game, you know, in the fetal <laughs> position. The mall's blown over me and someone's accidentally on purpose kicked me in the back of the head. And I came off, Dad, I've got a big bloody egg. And he said, we well, shouldn't be lying there. So I thought, that's not the answer I expected, mate. <laughs> what did a cuddle, Dad? But it, does, it just builds resilience. I mean, yeah. that's one thing, actually, probably going back to your, your questions previously, yeah. is, is got to get some resilience. So, I mean, this is one thing maybe for a broader society discussion about, mm. you know, where no, no score lines and everyone is a yeah. winner. You've got to build some resilience in you people. Do. If you're enjoying this episode, why don't you go all the way back to episode three where I interviewed George Gregg and Gus Wallen for all things sport, music and business. It's an absolute ripper. Richard, you're an ambassador of Black Dog. Yep. So maybe talk us through that and, and the good work you're doing there. Yeah, well, that started, we had a, or well, we haven't played for a while, so it's still on an ongoing mission. The Silver Foxes, which is a bunch of old people playing rugby in the bush, just as an excuse to get on the piss for a couple I'll of days. Silver hair. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you yeah, can, yeah, mate. Yeah, we yeah, had yeah. one, Clyde played for us. So there I you go. Know, you're I looking heard. pretty fit, you are. Yeah. So, mate, we'd go away and we were sponsoring various people with the money that we'd raise off. We'd get a jersey and we'd, and, we would get a bit of sponsorship money through the week and we ended up going into the Black Dog through a friend of mine whose 15-year-old son took his own life. Um, and we thought, holy shit, we've got to get him behind this. And then once you start to delve in, and we've ended up raising over the years about $750,000. And as a result of that, you know, the Black Dog very kindly invited me to come in and again through the sporting connections. But you just realise how prevalent it is in society. I mean, and even more so now where we are in this whole COVID yeah, thing. I mean, you know, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it kills more people than, than road accidents. Mm. And you've got to look at the disproportion on in regards to funding, you know, funding and, and, yeah. and just basically who's, who's involved. So it is incredibly important and sadly it's becoming more and more important. But mm. our weekends were great. So we'd raise obviously a bit of cash for them. But at the same time, the Black Dog would come to the country town that we'd be playing in and they'd just roll that process out and work quite well with, you know, country farmers. Oh, I don't tell you what's wrong with me. I'm all sweet, mate. So it was a really, really good nexus between the two of us. And, and again, once you, once you scratch the surface, you realise you yeah. are probably everyone in this room and everyone listening is probably at least 
maximum sort of maybe one degree, maybe two degrees away from yeah. someone who potentially struggling. We, we have the highest male use suicide rate in the world. It's insane. In this country. And what, it's ridiculous. And what, and what is, I know the funny from Black Dog, is that more, just more people accessible for to take calls and is black that the dog, kind of, yeah. yeah black dog have two parts so there's a yeah. diagnostic side but also the research side okay. that's a big yeah, difference yeah, with yeah, black yeah. dog sure. so you got lifeline stuff which mm. you can ring on beyond blue which mm. which are helping there you know therapeutic mm. but the big part of black dog is um about trying to find ways to cope with it and okay. you know no one likes me saying it's a bit like herpes you never get rid of it yeah and it comes and goes it's, it's not funny. sorry all right yeah, yeah. um <laughs> you don't have a bit of a laugh <laughs> But it is. It's one of these things. I mean, the, the two most important things with mental health are, number one, what is going on in my body because mm. it just freaks people out. Mm. And the other thing, okay, once I understand the biology of it, what is going on with it, it could be external, it could be internal, biological mm-hmm. or non-biological. The second part to that is, okay, what are my coping skills? Could be a little mm. bit of meditation, could be a bit of this, could be a nice cup of coffee in the morning, whatever it is. Combination, but yeah. those two things are mm. super important. And so the biggest thing is, say, is education on, on what's going on yep. and then coping tools. And that's really what they look to provide, both of those things. And the more they delve into the black dog, into what is actually on the biological side, understanding the science behind it, then obviously that then begets the, the skill set that comes in behind it and dealing with it. It's funny, like in, in the last 10 years, whilst in tweens and teenagers, the use of alcohol and drugs has actually decreased, but depression's actually gone through the roof. And one of the reasons I think that is behind is a lot of you know, the screen time kids are getting. It has mm. the same sort of effect on the brain that drugs and alcohol has. It's a scary sort of life our kids are going it's into. Time. Kid, uh, we'll, we'll make a bit more light, light of the, light of the yeah. show now, but uh, so I want to ask you both the same question. Rico, what, what, you played 301 games for the Roosters. What, what, was the, what was the highlight in your career? If you had to pick one moment, was it playing for the Roosters or was it playing the Test match or... State of origin? Um, I think winning that comp in 2002. Yeah. I think growing up around the eastern suburbs, just uh, obviously following the club, didn't think about ever playing one first grade game and then um, been able to win a competition. We hadn't won one since 1975, so a lot of history that went into that club and to be able to do that and pick that trophy up was, uh, was yeah. certainly a highlight. What yeah. did you learn from the, the two losses? Well, we had well, we lost in two thousand, yeah. so that was one we played against the Broncos, and it was quite funny because we played the Broncos on the Sunday, and on the Thursday before we had a, a ticket tape parade in Bondi Junction because <laughs> 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 we hadn't made a grand final in so long. We thought this is fantastic, so we sort of celebrated a little bit early, yeah. And obviously, it was a bit calmer in that and, and beat the Warriors, and then um, I will f- refuse to watch the two thousand and three grand final against Penrith. Yeah, it was the one we should have won, and. It was just a shocker. And then the following year, we got beaten by the Bulldogs and we were up by 12 points at halftime. We never lost at that stage. It was no. Freddie's last game and we couldn't get it done on that, uh, on that night as well. So three yeah. losses. No, yeah, we should never have a pre-match uh, playing session at Revisi's, <laughs> should you? should never. You <laughs> shouldn't go celebrate those things a bit early, exactly. Uh, Richard, highlight for yourself? Probably, I think, playing your first test, yeah. you know, unforgettable. It was fantastic. Um Obviously, the World Cup. I mean, I, I didn't start playing prop till I was about 26. I was only going to have one, and I'm playing with guys who was their third, you know, Eels right. and, and Jason and Tim Horan. That was phenomenal. Uh, but, but there was another great game, uh, which was the following year in 2000, when it was our last game against the Kiwis. We'd lost that one I mentioned before here in Sydney. Uh, by one point, the return game was in Wellington. We were behind, and Ilzy put that kick over yeah. after that. I mean, that was like, I mean, the World Cup was relief. Winning it was just like, oh, thank Christ, that's over. Mm. You know, whereas that game, which, and I remember talking to the ref with about two minutes to go, we had a scrum, their feed on our line. I'm thinking, oh, great. You know, my last yeah. game against New Zealand, I've lost a bloody bled as low. 
Anyway, bing, bang, bong, we're down the other end and then Ilzi's kicked us. So that was actually like my pure elation. So yeah. two very different, very, very different uh, games. Well, I want to thank you both for coming on the show. It's, um, I think what you two have in common, you've both been great ambassadors of your sports, both on and off the field. You're good guys to boot as well. So, uh, we're going to lunch, mate, so that's we're going, not bringing it all on. We're done. going to lunch. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for coming on the show, boys. Cheers. No, pleasure. Oh, thanks for having us, Thanks, Sean. That's it for Lunch with Lee this week. A big thank you goes out to our guests, Luke Rickardson and Richard Harry. Thanks to Hilton Headley for your hard work behind the scenes. And thanks to our sponsors, the Gin Society, Spartan Sports and O'Brien Beer. And a big thank you goes out to our Fratos for a fantastic lunch. Make sure you hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. And do us a favour, hit five stars. And if you're passionate, leave a review. And also, come find us on our socials. I'm at Lunch with Lee. Next week, we'll be taking some more complete legends about sport, music and business on another cracker episode of Lunch with Lee. We'll see you then. Some-